Welcome to the wild. Your host, Laura Branning, and I am doing solo and alone. Look at that. Just you and me. (laughs) Solo on my end. You just have to listen. This seemed like the perfect time to talk about self-care. Part of being alone and after divorce is actually having to spend time with yourself. You know, whether it's nights alone, without kids, without a spouse, it's an adjustment. Uh, I had pets to take care of, my work to pull me in multiple directions being a realtor, but when it came down to the end of the day, it was just me. I knew I had to continue with any therapy that I was going through because I thought that was important to make sure I wasn't losing my mind. You know, that's a good idea. But then also, you know, letting myself do things, not feeling guilty for having a good time when my kids weren't around. You know, you have to watch out for your own little triggers and what's making you feel guilty because literally at the end of the day, you're going to be just with yourself, with your own thoughts, uh, the responsibility of all your own actions. And maybe you can sleep at night, maybe you can't. I know I went into a whole period of needing to listen to music. Even now, I sleep better if there are, I like sleep noises. I do a whole thing with waves crashing. And now my kids can't even sleep without it when they're at my place. So it's kind of nice and comforting to know that they enjoy that too. But it's something that I need. It's something that I like. There's times that I don't need it. But also being in an apartment now, there's a little bit more ambient noise. So I know what to do to take care of me. And I think that's that little path of self-discovery that you don't expect when you're first out into the wild. But even meeting with my therapist, it's the reminder that you have four different types of self-care. And then at first I thought, that sounds pretty daunting. Like really, the fact that I'm even having to do something for myself right now is seems monumental enough. Like I'm trying to take care of everybody else, trying to make sure I'm not making the wrong decisions in my divorce uh, for whatever I can control that seemed like I was completely out of control. And then being able to take care of myself. Yeah, I I just wasn't used to that. I put everybody first, my kids, my pets, my friends, my work. So having that time to myself really refocus that. So those four things being physical, biological, physiological, and spiritual. So one of the first things that I did after separation was go to a Bible study group. And I still do. So it wasn't like I just tried it one time because I I wanted to make sure that this was a part of my life that I could at least, you know, go every two weeks, see these wonderful women that I already admired anyway, and maybe they would let me into this group of people. Um, I figured it would be supportive and welcoming but you know you never know especially when you're you have this new identity now i was going to be a divorcee i was newly separated and i didn't know who would even accept me and they did with open arms that was incredible because i had come to this group before a few times and I was bribed, I'm going to say bribed, with uh, <laughs> free childcare and breakfast. That sounds like a mom's dream to me. 
So I would go every once in a while, but then I literally made it a point to be consistent. Uh, I just needed, I knew I needed that uh, environment to be around other women and that were moms and just kind of let myself be part of the process, which they have been wonderful still. They even are very supportive of my stand-up. So yay Bible study. <laughs> and I'm a horrible student of the Bible. I wish I was better. My grandmother always would tell me that she would give me a nickel or even a quarter if I could tell her a Bible verse over the phone. And you'd think I would just grab the Bible and start reading, but i it made me push back a little bit. Let's let's be honest. So now that I found Jesus again, um, I also don't think it's ever something that I want to push on anyone. You know, if there's any questions, great, but I don't know. It's it's not a big push for me. So uh, I'm not gonna judge someone if they don't believe either. But open to conversation. But I'm just. With religion and politics, we're not going to talk about them. So that's fine. But the physiological, I think that has a lot to do with your thoughts. I mean, even just getting your dang water so that your the physical physiological part of your body has a place to start off in a, a best foot forward scenario. But retraining yourself to be your biggest fan. And I think that's really hard because you're the one who knows all of your deep, dark secrets. You're the one who plays with the demons themselves. And that can be a little daunting, but I'm here to tell you that's why, you know, even looking at the inspirational quotes on social media, on Instagram, whatever, you know, those things that go are positive. I think going towards things that actually bring you joy go running towards them. I think that's more important than wallowing in too much. Like feel the feelings and let them go. We've already gotten to this point. If you're after divorce, it just feels so hard and it's not fun. You feel like, you know, a new relationship's going to fix you. And maybe that is something that you're looking for and that is a great distraction. But if you don't start with yourself, you're not going to be good for somebody else. So... That's where I think that one's pretty important too. But even the next one, that being that biological and, you know, getting the right food into you, like eating clean, getting some exercise, even if it starts off as a walk. And, you know, I'm not here to say that you can't have a donut for breakfast. You do you, whatever is going to make you happy. And the actual physical self-care, the taking the bubble baths, the, you know, getting my hair done. That's, I made a point to always get uh, my lashes done. So I didn't have to wear as much makeup, which seems kind of funny, but then I don't have like the raccoon eyes when I work out at the gym, you know, my mascara or eyeliner isn't running down my face, you know, cause I'm so awesome and I work out so hard, <laughs> so sweaty, but yeah, I think those things are super important. But what I've also really found that by continually going to therapy, uh, I'm not even on a consistent basis. But when I kind of feel like I'm lost, or I need to double check the way that I'm thinking, you know, I definitely have friends that I can check in with. But when I go back to my therapist, like having her as it's not something I have to like be in the next day or whatever. But you know, I've had a couple things lately that have happened where I'm just kind of questioning, you know, did I do something wrong? Where, 
where, what part did I play in the scenario? And, you know, to have that person who you can vent to and give, you know, your full side to the story and just kind of check in, I think is really, really important. Um, You know, it's a great place to be. That's where I reset, you know, I kind of regain my control again in my life. And I'm reminded of who I am. And so much of that I could do on my own, of course. But, you know, I'm I'm really a big fan of making sure that therapy is a part of that self-care process. So, but that's why I think it's important to have hobbies too. I mean, look at me here. Now I'm doing my podcast. Um, I'm loving doing stand-up comedy more than I thought I would. And it's a lot better than I thought it would be. You know, um, I think it's also part that I'm a little bit older in life. That's a fun one to say out loud. But, you know, knowing my perspective in life and kind of the experience that I've gained in life, and now being able to use those stories and use the triumphs and defeats of doing stand-up comedy, the actual process of it. I mean, here we are in a global pandemic and there's no live entertainment. So yay. But being able to be around friends and perform, I guess, for lack of a better word, but grab a mic and, you know, say some of your jokes. And um, even if they've heard them five, six, 20 times already, it's working those jokes. So when I can perform in front of a big crowd, then I'm ready. And you know, I've done this live at nine on Facebook. I did that for 80 days and kind of a couple check-ins here and there. And that consistency really helped me get through that, um, not necessarily stage fright, I guess it is, um, but that performance anxiety. And I would go on even if I'd had a great day, a crappy day, an emotional day, whatever. Those were seemed like they were few and far between because I was getting in pretty good groove with that. But it was nice to kind of have its time and space because it was a huge commitment for sure. And it definitely helped me progress into the actual open mics of stand-up comedy and even having one performance, um, you know, actually one gig to get paid. I mean, that was pretty awesome, but definitely more to come. And it gives me something to look forward to. It's something that's my own. Uh, It's a whole new community that I get to be a part of. And I think that understanding that they're embracing me for who I am. And, you know, I don't know what I necessarily bring to that yet. You know, it's not like I'm bringing snacks. Yes, I'm probably like the mom, but that's fine. And, <laughs> you know, it's it's definitely a, a different group of people. They're so fun. Like, because I say different group of people because here I am, you know, the midlife crisis mom. And, the guys who are so great, most of them are guys and their girlfriends are there being super amazingly supportive. And, you know, they're probably what, what are we saying? Like 22 to 32 or so somewhere in there. I don't know. They'll correct me for sure, which I'm totally okay with. And it's just been awesome, um, you know, to be a part of a group that, you know, it's always a good time. It's always funny. I enjoy that for sure. So it's definitely good stuff, but it's 
where I've felt the most that I'm supposed to be. I guess that can kind of sound crazy, but it, it definitely makes more sense to me knowing that this is something that I love. Um, but on a day-to-day basis, real estate is how I make my money. It's how I make my living. I support myself and I literally take care of business. So they're all a juggle. Nothing is a set time for anything. So carving out time to do the podcast, this is something that I would have wanted when I was going through my separation and divorce. So in a teeny bit, it's almost like it's therapy for me. So I appreciate you even listening. And I kind of envision it like, especially now with it just me, that there would be somebody else sitting on the couch and (laughs) enjoying conversation. So, but here I get to just monologue the entire time and keep going. So it's been a definite labor of love. The technical side of everything. Yeah, that's been, that's been interesting. Maybe not my forte, but I'm learning a lot. So that's fantastic. And just kind of moving forward with it. I'd love to hear what you guys think about the new music that's on the episode. So that's pretty awesome. Brilliant. Feeling a little more grown up podcast now. (laughs) My friend Justin McLaughlin is the one helping with that. So thank you, Justin. Huge, huge thank you. So Yeah, that's where I'm kind of sitting with all of this. And it's been an absolute blast to like keep moving with everything. And it's overwhelming the support that I've gotten and the messages and um, the acknowledgement, you know, even having it be something that is a place where some of my jokes start. But more importantly, I think that it's good to focus on the fact that I want this podcast to be more about grace and acceptance. People deserve room. They deserve space to be who they are and not be in judgment. We're also amplified right now with the current environment, with COVID, with Black Lives Matter, with masks, with all of it. And if we're just a little bit more patient and understanding, we can also be patient understanding with ourselves. And I think that's where we're really kind of stuck that there's all of these pressures on ourselves. We're worried about people getting sick, getting someone else sick, people yelling at us because they think we're getting their friend sick or their family sick or whatever, and it's hard. But being able to accept whatever their stance is because they're their own person, giving people space, like whether it is six feet or not, you know, giving them that wide berth around them to not have that space and infect the other one. Yeah, that's the word I'm going to use. Because I do think it's important to have that grace and acceptance. I've had enough friends that have seen me mess up. You know, I've done, I've fucked up things and whatever. I mean, I'm not perfect by any stretch of the imagination, but I've tried to really deal with my friends that way too. And I think that's important because sometimes you don't know the role of someone in your life, what that's going to look like, you know, what they're supposed to be, the significance or anything, and just providing that grace and acceptance so they can be who they are. And, you know, it's your choice on how close you let them be too, because I think that's that attachment and where 
the acceptance is okay to decide on how much you want to let somebody into your life. So if you feel like you've been wronged or whatever, it's creating that boundary. And I think that's even part of self-care in and of itself, knowing what your strengths are, um, being able to be humble about them and realize maybe you're wrong about that too. And that's that grace and accepting the fact that you're not right. You're not perfect. And that's where I even kind of go into those campsite rules. I've said those a couple times too. And that's that treating a person or place the same or better than you found it. So it's like going to a campsite and maybe there's some litter around or something like that. You pick it up, you clean up the area, move rocks so you can put a tent, whether you're bringing in a camper, whatever, enjoy the space. And then when you're gone, you make it seem like you were not there. Like in the sense that you're not leaving it worse. You're trying to keep it better or make it better than when you found it. So I'd really, really try to treat people that way too. So if someone decides to not want to be in my life, I'm not going to push them otherwise. Um, I do struggle with understanding that every once in a while, that rejection's not any not fun because that's what it ends up feeling like. But it's all part of it, right? You know, life is really hard, but compared to what? And I think that's <laughs> I need a little bit of perspective with that too. There were times when we thought life was easy, life was going great, but really was it? I remember times in my marriage where I thought, man, my life is just perfect. And maybe it was, but I know I was also trying to just tell myself that because I was hurting so badly. I was trying to be happy, create a happy environment for myself, for my kids, for my family, so we could all grow, you know, even with my ex-husband, try to make it a loving, caring environment so we could be the best people we were. But we fail. Maybe it's not failing. It's the end. It's different. It's done. And not pushing or having the expectations on him or myself for that life that I thought that I had, but it's providing that grace and acceptance and being okay with it. I never thought at 41, I would be pursuing a stand-up career while being a full-time real estate agent and selling my house and donating most of my belongings and moving to an apartment. And I love it. I absolutely love it. And I could sit in here and sulk and worry that I'm not on my, you know, in my huge house with the almost on half an acre with my huge garden with the huge backyard. But there was a lot of responsibility with that too. So now I don't have to pick flowers or weeds or whatever. And I just can take care of myself. You know, of course, I'd love to have somebody in my life too, but I'm not going to force any of that ever. I think it's important to be engaging and reciprocating, but I don't think anybody should have to chase anybody else. But it's can feel like it's a power struggle and people come into life with or come to this stage in life and have their own emotional baggage. And it's just different. You just have to find somebody who your demons play well together. So I think that's part of all of that self-care because nobody else is going to do it for you. You know, taking care of children, taking care of other people, you know, whether it's through 
work or friends or whatever, you know, you think you're doing all of these things for someone and it may be not even how they receive it, how they receive love. I mean, that's really keeping the five love languages come into play. And as much as words of affirmation have been a huge part of my life, uh, quality time is really showing up in my life so much more. And I think that's got a lot to do with the social distancing So I know when somebody wants to actually spend time with me, it means that much more. So because words have fallen short, you know, it's words are cheap. So talk is cheap. There we go. That's how the saying goes. Talk is cheap. And it's hard to just accept the fact that love is the way that you actually receive it um, and how you give it. I realize that if I really truly care about someone, I will end up buying them something. I don't know why. And it's usually like five, 10, $15. Like it's not much, but I've listened to them, found out something that's very important to them and get them a gift. That's somebody who's definitely important to me. So, but if you haven't received a gift from me, don't feel bad. It just hasn't sparked that nerve with me for whatever reason. Haven't found the perfect thing yet to give you. How about that? Mm -hmm. So anyway, it's been an interesting thing for me to see about myself. So, you know, and what do you do? That's, that's just how we start to understand ourselves. And I think that's part of what self-care really is, is finding out more about yourself, how you give love, how you receive love, because that can be different ways. And, you know, because experiencing love in a way that someone else doesn't show it that way, I mean, that's hard too, but it's knowing yourself. That's where it really starts and taking care of yourself because it all comes down to you and you can, you're going to be a better person by taking care of yourself. You'll be a better person for your kids, even your ex-spouse, um, I find that once I'm taking care of myself and I am a priority for myself, then I don't have any of that angst or push that on to anyone else. So yeah, that's a humbling one, isn't it? Yeah. So if I'm nice to me, then I'm probably going to be nice to you too. (laughs) So I've been pretty darn nice to myself lately. So that's been nice, but yeah, there we are. So again, with those four different types of self-care, the physical, biological, physiological, and spiritual. So that's where I jumped into those, to the therapy and hobbies too. But uh, yeah, goodness gracious. So that is me all by myself. Of course, you can check out Welcome to the Wild on Instagram and on Facebook. Instagram is WTTWpod. And Facebook is Welcome to the Wild Podcast. So feel free to shoot me a message anytime. Um, Would love to have more guests come on. I'm actually recording another one in a few hours with another friend. So that will be coming and all sorts of them lined up. So thank you so much for listening. And I would love to hear what you think. If you can write up a quick review on Spotify or on iTunes, that would be awesome. Thank you so much and have a good day.